0: Welcome to Faculty Voices, Dr. Stephanie Chamut is an instructor in Oral Health Policy and Epidemiology at the Harvard Dental School. Welcome, Stephanie.
1: Hi, thank you, June. Uh, It is a pleasure uh, talking to you today and thank you for the invitation.
0: This is the first time we've ever had anyone with dental and oral health expertise here on Faculty Voices. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey from Mexico to the Harvard Dental School?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you. I feel very fortunate to be invited as the first dental person into your podcast. So I really appreciate the highlights and also the importance of oral health to share with your audience. So I am Dr. Stephanie Chamut. I am originally from Mexico. I embarked into dentistry because I was doing mission trips and I saw the need. That also sparked my interest into public health since the very beginning. But I was just doing dentistry and I wanted to do private practice. When I came to the U.S., I just came to learn English and one opportunity led to another one. And it was very hard to let go. So after my prostodontic training, I was doing an internship in a geriatric dental office, which allowed me to be exposed at older adults that are very vulnerable in hospitals and nursing homes, and seeing the neglect that this population faces allowed me to open my eyes, and wanting to pursue a more structured public health training. So I pursued my dental public health residency and master's degree in dental public health and completed it at the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research in the US. And afterwards, I completed a postdoctoral training at the Health Resources and Services Administration, which allowed me to be exposed at the federally qualified health centers that also provide care to the most vulnerable and underserved Americans in the US. Afterwards, I also had the opportunity to work with the Pan American Health Organization in DC, which also works in oral health and they were working in efforts towards older adults. So I developed a module for healthcare providers taking care for older adults that had no knowledge on dentistry. So what to look for in the mouth in order to make the proper referrals, because as you know, it's essential to overall health and is the mirror to our health. So we speak, we eat, we smile, and we do pretty much everything with our mouth. So it's very important to keep it healthy. And one thing that I want to highlight is that all these experiences have led me to where I am today. And I am an instructor in oral health policy and epidemiology at Harvard School of Dental Medicine. And Harvard is big proponent of integration of oral health into medicine. And all these pieces together are bringing my portfolio and my work into supporting oral health initiatives, but not just in the mouth, but the whole body into holistic way and more patient-centered care. In this position, I'm working pretty much in dental public health policies and research. I work with the dental public health residents and also I was part of the human resources for health from Rwanda. So we helped establish the first dental school in the country. So I was tasked to create part of the curriculum in prostodontics, but also to train the faculty in order to make a sustainable program that would last for many years to come and will build and strengthen the healthcare system from the oral health perspective. They didn't have many dentists and they didn't have a training path in the country. So people had to go to other countries to be trained and many will stay out of the country. Many few will come back. So having the school in the country will form the cadre of dentists that will remain and provide the services for their own population.
0: You're also doing work in Mexico in a collaborative research project, no?
1: Yes. So we were very fortunate to be able to do a collaborative research grant that we received, and it was strengthening the collaborative strategies through lessons learned in public health nutrition and oral health programs in Mexico and the US. So we form an interdisciplinary team of public health experts from Mexico and the US. And jointly, we look at the prevalence of non-communicable diseases, including obesity, diabetes, and tooth decay. So in Mexico, they're having very strong initiatives on the consumption of sugary snacks and beverages and how to target those populations with very strong messaging the labels in the products they really tell you the content of sugar calories fats is very very visible so at least if people are looking at those products they are aware of what they're taking So this collaborative was with El Poder del Consumidor. This is a mainly consumer advocacy group organization in Mexico. So they do very big campaigns throughout to combat diseases and public health programs to make people aware of the danger of high content of sugar, for example. But
0: when you say it's an interdisciplinary group, can you tell us a little bit about the different disciplines and what other people from Harvard are involved and what people from Mexico, who is this group?
1: So first of all, the group from Harvard was Dr. Brittany Seymour, who was the PI of the grant. Jane Barrow, who is the executive director of the Initiative of Integrating Oral Health into Medicine. Dr. Mary Tavares, who was then an instructor and director of the Dental Public Health Residency. She has been doing so much research in obesity and kids and myself. So from the Mexican side, we had Dr. Jaime Elderson, who is a dentist by training, but he's a big advocate in in public health and uh, school-based programs and is known internationally. The Mexican group from El Poder del Consumidor was Marisa McCarty and Rebecca Berner. And also we had another expert from UC Berkeley, Dr. Karen Sokol Gutierrez, who is a pediatrician by training, but she has been throughout her career, very interested in integration of oral health into the whole body of pediatric kids.
0: There was a big meeting right before the pandemic. What was that meeting? And was that the last meeting that you've had?
1: It was probably one of the last meetings that we had. We were very fortunate to be able to go to meet the team in person. So first they came to Boston so we worked in the research and the initiatives that we wanted to plan accordingly. And then the team traveled to Mexico. We had big conference that we were sharing the lessons learned throughout the work that we did in Boston.
0: So what are the lessons learned?
1: So first of all, as I mentioned, Mexico is a big proponent of the taxes on these products but also the big campaigns that they're doing, which is something that is missing in the US. The portion controls, the big hidden sugars that we find in many products in the US and there are no labels. I had to learn, for example, with my training in public health, how to read the labels. Before that, it was very surprising to me. I thought that I was choosing healthy choices. But as I was taking these classes and I learned how to read the labels, I went to my pantry and probably half of the items that I had had hidden sugars that we don't think about. And when we're eating them or consuming them over and over, so the glucose and insulin levels go out of place and they have many consequences in our health but as normal people we're not training in health or public health or how to read the labels and like nutritional facts it's very hard to understand how these marketed healthy choices that are really not healthy are really affecting our health in the long term. Like for example, the cereals. There are many cereals that are targeted to reduce cholesterol or to have strawberries or you name it like honey. But at the end of the day, if you read the labels they have many added sugars that are not really healthy choice to be sustainable for healthy aging. So one thing that I have been working, and this was part of the initiative, in order to age well and have a healthy aging path, you have to take care of yourself every day, right? Because we are aging by the minute. And we're aging, since day one, they were born. So first, the choices that our parents choose for ourselves, have a big impact. Like for example, in Mexico, unfortunately, is a big consumer of sodas. And that is the culture. And the companies are really targeting underserved or vulnerable populations because the government sometimes allow them to market their products. People are drinking them instead of drinking water, for example, but the consumption of sodas have high content of sugar and the sugar will cause tooth decay, obesity, diabetes. And these are the part of the initiatives that the Poder del Consumidor are really targeting. And if you go to the big soda company in Atlanta, they have a map of the bigger consumers of their products. And they're very proud to say, Mexico or some parts in Africa, for example, they're, they're bigger consumers, but they don't tell you what is the level of diabetes, the prevalence or incidence in those populations, right? So people are not getting the right picture on that regard. So I think since we're working in integration of initiatives from the oral health perspective and overall health, this is very close to our heart because wherever you look, you look the sodas, you look the hidden sugars, and it's not only causing cavities, which is a highly preventable disease, but also causing obesity and diabetes that are also preventable. And all these three non-communicable diseases affect life and it starts from the beginning of the early ages because the parents need to know what they're giving their kids and if they're giving their kids those products they get accustomed to those and they grow and keep consuming them and by the time that they are 30 or 40 they already have a number of health problems on their shoulders that could have been prevented? You know, many of our listeners,
0: when they think of problems in Latin America, may think of malnutrition and not of obesity. So I've been a little bit surprised about your emphasis on obesity. Could you talk about that a little bit? And the relationship of obesity and malnutrition.
1: Yeah, definitely. I am very interested in nutrition, as you could hear from my my experiences. And that is because I learned from my other programs, but also working in geriatrics. Nutrition is is very important because if if you are malnourished or you don't have the adequate nutrition, your immune system gets compromised. If you are, if you don't have a strong immune system, you cannot fight anything, virus, bacteria, and you're more susceptible to get sick and not to have a healthy aging path, right? So as I mentioned, you can have an obesity person, but it can be not healthy or it can be malnourished. So, Those are very important areas to consider. As a healthcare providers, there are very simple steps, either if you're a dentist or if you are a physician or a nurse, to ask your your patient simple questions to make you aware of the whole environment. So I think we are in a time that we have to empower individuals because the time that they're spending in their their medical offices or the dental office is very slim compared to the time that they're alone. So teaching the individuals how to make healthy choices, how to take care of themselves, and what to talk about with the healthcare provider. What are their concerns? is very important because as a healthcare providers, we can give you clues on how to be better, how to be healthier. But with simple questions on nutrition or looking at the mouth, are, are there any problems in the mouth can give us clues on if the patient or the individual can eat well because if you don't eat well, if you have dry mouth, you are not going to be able to chew properly. It, it goes beyond the, the choices that you can buy. Like you, There are two problems. One is the hidden sugars that we're talking about that can cause obesity, but also if you don't have proper or adequate oral health, it will decrease your ability to have healthy choices, because if we're talking about eating carrots, apples. If you don't have healthy teeth, you're not going to be able to eat those fibers. And you are going to rely on more carbohydrate options that are not good for your health because they're going to affect also the insulin levels and cause probably obesity. So looking at the mouth is one area that we have to emphasize. And just a simple questions about the drinking. Some people in many countries, because I have been exposed to different populations in Mexico, here in the U.S. or in Africa, people think that juice is a healthy choice. But it's not. And it all depends on the juice because sometimes the juice is just, natural juice, but sometimes it had added sugars. It all depends if you're drinking the juice as the first thing in the morning, it changes if you eat it afterwards, your protein, for example, how your body is gonna absorb or react on under on that level of sugar. So that is also very important to emphasize with our patients, you have to go for protein first and then if you want a little bit of juice and the juice to be more natural but if it's possible to have natural water and it it just goes around the mouth the body and causing obesity and diabetes so i think that is a challenge to make people understand all the connections and to feel empowered how to do better choices. And when you're in the with the providers, it's very challenging to have that time to to explain all the connections. And I think that is the part that is missing. And for that reason, I am a big advocate of empowering individuals on getting to know all this information so they can talk to the provider because. At this moment, we, we, we want to, we're trying, but it's very challenging and complex how to explain all the reactions of the sugar that they can have in the body. So what is the strategy in the
0: collaborative research project to get these messages out?
1: So, first of all, one thing that I found very strong from the Poder the consumer messaging, it was very real. so the their message was like for example, having a heart affected by the soda and so things that you know, like with tobacco, they started adding the the pictures of the lung cancer. So people will be aware of what can happen. But what you don't see that it doesn't get affected like right away, it's very hard as a a person to understand the side effects. Or you can say, oh, it's not gonna happen to me, right? So if one person is a, a smoker, they're trying to put those labels or messaging in the boxes with the sugar, so they were trying to do a similar focus for people to understand how sugar can affect your your body and all the consequences beyond just obesity. And I think those messages and with the pictures were very powerful. And I think I applaud to them because it takes a lot of work first to simplify the concept and information to put it in one picture. So when the people see it, it will resonate to them. And the other area that I want to emphasize is that the laws had supported this and every single product that you see in the grocery store has a label, a black label. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but I think the US is really missing that part to inform the public. If they don't see it in the back, if they don't know how to read the labels, they are not gonna know. They might think that it's a healthy choice. Like with the yogurt, a lot of people here in the US looking at the cultures are very on the run they're very busy and they grab and go so yogurt is one of the choices for breakfast and looking at how many good choices of yogurt are out there is very scary you know because uh, a lot of them have hidden sugars or other ingredients that are not good for your health like Carrageenan that it also cause inflammation in the body but if you keep attacking your body with inflammatory things it can be an ingredient or exposed factors from the environment so all this inflammation that your body is absorbing or creating is going to Lead to a negative side effect or health outcome. So, we need to look at what we're doing every day to reduce the inflammatory risk because any inflammation in the mouth or in the whole body is going to cause something. So, when we're consuming inflammatory foods, like sugar is one of the inflammatory foods as well, your body is not set for that. And when you're, it's like attacking your body every single time that you're consuming these foods. But sometimes we think that it's healthy, right? Even like when we add the creamer for our coffee and it has all these ingredients that are not necessary. So we're just doing harm to our body. There are so much inflammation in the mouth that is caused by like bacteria, for example, and during the periodontal disease that, that can travel to our body because inflammation and it's just a full cycle of things that we have to overcome or reduce in order to have or promote healthy aging throughout or yeah. every. Single stage of our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a real challenge. The one thing I don't quite get is that you've got this wonderful team in Mexico doing things based on innovative laws and practices. So what exactly is the role of the Harvard people on this team? What's the value added? What are you doing?
1: So the value was for both groups because we have the knowledge in the science, uh, the research, the work that we have been doing in integrating oral health into overall health and medicine. As I mentioned, we're working with the mouth but also looking at obesity, diabetes, and other negative health outcomes. But the work that was doing in Mexico, I think we're not doing it here. So it was a benefit for both ways. So we were adding the science and the knowledge that we have had from one perspective, but what they're doing on educating the public was stronger than what, the us is doing so it was a communication and study activities on what both groups are doing and exchange knowledge so we could bring some of that knowledge to our practices because we're more researcher sciences and practitioners but they are more into the field so what is going on how can we change the laws and regulations to add, for example, the labels that are appropriate to be added into the products and things like that. And I think on that end, we're behind. Unfortunately. We're working on it, but we're <laughs> still behind. And you know, the most interesting thing is that we're so close. Mexico and and the US were we're so close. So we should learn from each other and not work so separately, but I think. One of the challenge here in the US is that every state functions independently. So making rules, regulations, and uh, it's more cumbersome than when you look at implementing something in in Mexico is as a whole. And I just learned also that Costa Rica works in the same way that Mexico, everybody follows the same, regulations so it's easier and it's a little smaller but i think that is part of the challenge here in the us to
0: conclude could you catch up our listeners on exactly what are these innovative practices in mexico what does mexico do that is is different
1: so the innovative areas that i want to emphasize one from the policy perspective is that they're implementing they're allowing these groups they're being heard they're working collaborative and implementing to educate the the public so they advocate and they make it happen so for for example also they're adding the toothbrushing in in schools which That is also another initiative that helps to reduce the risk of developing tooth decay. So those are some initiatives that are being heard, and those are becoming law. So they work from the policy perspective and go down into implementation, Educating the the public with the labels is also a very strong because a lot of people have, for example, also high cholesterol. So those labels are helpful if they have to look at what they're consuming with their diet. So I think on that regard, working from the higher ups from the policy perspective, going down to implementation, that is key. And I think here, we're trying, but it's, it's more challenging.
0: Thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to Dr. Stephanie Chamut. She's an instructor in oral health policy and epidemiology at the Harvard Dental School. Thank you for being on Faculty Voices. Thank
1: you. My pleasure.